Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely. Altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that You're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me, beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Good morning. morning. Welcome everybody to our service today, especially those of you who are visiting with us. Do consider you honored guests, and I hope that you'll visit back with us again. Uh, If you are visiting with us, there's an attendance card for you to fill out in the uh, pew in front of you. If you could put that in the collection plate, that'll give us a record of you being here. And it's great to have everybody here this morning. Our times of service, 9.30 is our Bible study, 10.30 Sunday morning worship, uh, Sunday evening worship tonight at 5, and our Wednesday evening worship at 7 p.m. Our perfect attendance for November uh, in our toddler class is Sadie Shepard. Thad McAlpin and Gray Latham. Second and third grade is Brooke and Anna Postema. Middle school is Leah Rose, Nathan Farrell, Bryson Albright, Chloe Blunt. Our high school is L. Albright, Emma and Callie Barrett, and Gage Shipman. The fruit baskets are ready for delivery today after morning services. They can be picked up in the teacher workroom. There'll also be a group that'll go Christmas caroling and delivering some fruit baskets to a few of our older members after the morning services today. Uh, There'll be a quick potluck lunch, and then they'll take the bus for this event. Ladies are invited to a luncheon on December 15th at 11 a.m. at the home of Judy Wallace. Please sign the sheet on the bulletin board in the foyer by today if you plan to attend. If you'd like to bring your Christmas cards for our church family, place those cards in the box in the foyer by Wednesday, December the 14th. The ladies' favorite things holiday party will be December 18th after evening services in the fellowship hall. Please bring an appetizer and five things to exchange. If you have any questions, please see Christy Albright. Challenge Youth Conference is for students 6th through 12th grades and will be in Pigeon Forge on February 24th through the 26th. Cost is $35 per person. A sign-up sheet is posted on the youth bulletin board in the foyer. You can give your payment to Ryan Blunt no later than December 21st. Please make your check payable to the church. That's all the announcements I have. We'll have a reading at this time.
The reading this morning will be from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I'll be reading from the New King James. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Song for opening prayer would be number 186. 186. We'll sing first, second, last verses. I found my Lord and he is mine. He won me by his love. I'll serve him all my years of time and dwell with him above. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. His service is my sweetest delight. His blessings ever flow. No other Lord but Christ I know. I walk with him alone. His streams of love forever flow. Within my heart is thrown. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. His service is my sweetest delight. His blessings ever flow. I've tried the road of sin and found its prospects all deceived. I've proved the Lord and joys abroad more than I could believe. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. His service is my sweetest delight. His blessings ever flow. Pray to me, please. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this day thankful for the opportunity we have now to come before you and, and worship you. Lord, I pray that we're able to focus our hearts and minds on giving you the glory and honor that you deserve. Lord, you've done so much for us, and we just want to take time to, to thank you and to praise you, to acknowledge you. Lord, we're so thankful for Stroudsville Church of Christ, thankful for each and every member. Lord, thankful for the, the leadership our elders provide, I ask for your blessings on them. Thankful for our deacons and many services. Lord, I'm so thankful for all the members who who do things behind the scenes that just uh, many people don't know about. Lord, as we evangelize in different ways, different ministries, different programs, Lord, things like Christmas caroling and fruit baskets this time of year, Christmas parties, Lord, just pray that we're able to... Uh, Help reach, seek, and save the lost. Lord, I'm just so thankful for, again, for the many people, the families that, that do things behind the scenes that make those things happen. Lord, just you bless this congregation in so many ways, and we are so, so grateful. Lord, we ask you please be with our sick, those who aren't able to be with us this morning, those who are not feeling well, ones who are undergoing test procedures. You know there are many needs, Lord, and we're so thankful that we can lift them up to you in prayer, that you hear us, and we acknowledge that uh, you have a plan, and, and we are thankful uh, for your plan. Lord, thankful that you, you hear our prayers and acknowledge that you are always in control. Well, we know there are 
many who are carrying heavy burdens at this time. We ask that you please be with those, especially those who've lost uh, loved ones recently. Please be with them, their, their time as, as they grieve. Oh, we're so thankful to, to live in this nation. Uh, thankful for the many, uh, many people who serve this nation, many in our armed forces, those who, who serve uh, locally as well. We ask for your protection on them. Uh, please comfort them and their, their families, especially if they're uh, separated at this time, Lord. And I ask also for your, your blessing on those who have served in the past. So many sacrifices have, have been made uh, for us to enjoy the many freedoms that, that we enjoy in this nation. Lord, we also want to pray for our leaders, uh, those who are making decisions about uh, the future of our country, state and local governments. Lord, just please be with them. Grant them wisdom, Lord. We pray that uh, no matter what decisions are made, that we always look to you for our guidance and, and will on how we live our lives. And, Lord, just uh, pray that we can do that in a way uh, to where there's no conflict between the two. Lord, as we continue our worship, we ask you please just be with us, uh, especially as we're about to enter into this time as uh, we remember and commune together as we remember um, your Son, our Savior, Jesus, he died on the cross. It's through his name that we pray. Amen. To prepare our minds for war supper, we're going to sing number 166. 166, we'll sing first, second, and last verses. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on the tree. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected. Bearing our sins, my Redeemer is he. Living he loved me, dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. One day the trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glory will shine. Wonderful day, my beloved ones bringing glorious Savior, this Jesus is mine. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day.
So many of the things that we do in this world is defined by this world rather than the creator of this world. Uh, I know so many coin the phrase the weekend. The weekend defined in their minds as Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But in the children of God, our weekend ends on Saturday. And we know that the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, is this day. And we mark our time, our calendar, and our faith in God and His creation of time for us, that this is the first day of the week. This is the day that's the central part of the Christian life and the spiritual life and the kinship and fellowship in Christ. Most of it surrounds the first day of the week. And yet the world thinks of it as part of the weekend. We know how important it is that Jesus came to this earth. If it were not for that, we would not be here this morning. God would have destroyed the world a long time ago. But for Christ's sake, he spared us the penalties of death. And he freed us from the burden of death and the condemnation of death, and the sorrow of death. And he replaced it with the joy of the resurrection, which his communion service represents. This is a victory celebration, not a uh, a sadness, a time of mourning and sadness. We should of all people be the happiest in this world, and because we have the knowledge of why we're happy. So as we take these communion emblems let us remember what christ did for us as he instituted this the night before his death and let us rejoice in the fact that a few days later his victory over death in his resurrection is our true celebration in christ jesus let's think on these things as we take the bread and the fruit of the vine oh lord we're humbled in your presence and we're thankful that you would give us Jesus on the cross for us. Father, may that be imprinted in, in our minds. May that be burning in our hearts that you love us enough that you would do this for us. So as we take this bread, help us to remember his body on the cross for our sins. We pray this in his name. Amen.
Let's bow. Oh, Lord, we pray that as we take this fruit of the vine, that we might remember back to the cross where your blood was shed to wash our sins away. Father, what a dark moment this had to be for your Heavenly Father that you had to do this as our Heavenly Father. You had to do this to offer your Son as the sacrifice for our sins. Let that humble us. Let that cause us to cry out to you in the anguish that Jesus did on the cross as he shed that blood for us. May we do this in a humble manner in the thanksgiving in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Having concluded the Lord's Supper, this is the time that's been set aside for this group of believers to return back a part of what the Lord's blessed us with. I know many of you do this uh, electronically. Many of you do it with putting whatever you give to the Lord each week in the plate. But however you do it, do it with a good and honest heart and a heart of thanksgiving for all that he's done for us daily. Let's pray. O Lord, again, we approach your throne in prayer, thanking you with hearts of thanksgiving of your many blessings that you give us continually. So often, Father, we don't show the gratitude that we should daily for what you do for us. All that we have, all that we are, all that we can be comes from you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit your comforter that you've given us, and we pray that that, that might be done to give us uh, exceedingly uh, comfort, uh, exceeding daily, uh, hourly, every minute of our existence comes from you, and it's with thanksgiving for all of it that we pray to you, and through your Son's name we pray, amen.
Our song of invitation is number 595. 595. For the lesson that's standing in scene, number 546. 546. Troublesome times are here, failing men's hearts with fear, freedom we own now is that stake. Hum your heart to God, saves the chastening rod, seek the way pilgrims trod, gracious awake. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon, many will meet their doom, troubles will sound. All the dead shall rise, rise me in the sky, go where no one dies, heavenward bound. Love so many Losing their home of gold This God's word is told He was about When these signs come to pass Nearing the end at last It will come very fast Trumpets will sound Jesus is coming soon Morning or night or noon, many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. All the dead shall rise, rush me in the sky, go where no one dies, heavenward bound. Troubles will soon be o'er, happy forevermore. When we on that shore, free from all care. Rising up in the sky, tell this world goodbye. Home we then will fly, glory to share. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom, troubles will sound. All the dead shall rise, rise me in the sky. Go where no one dies, heavenward bound. Peace out, boys. Good morning. It's lovely to see you here today, and I appreciate you coming here on this Sunday morning. I wish it was a bright and sunny morning. That'll come eventually. We've had a lot of gray days together, but winter is setting in. We're talking about God's great nature, not so much the, the plants and the trees and what you see around you, but God's nature and character himself. I wanted to say a quick thank you to a group of people who helped us yesterday. We sang at two different facilities. One was assisted living, and the other was a dementia unit where the residents uh, enjoyed the singing. Uh, they maybe were not as interactive, but I just so appreciate those of you who gave your time and helped us sing. It's a great blessing. I think if you go and help us sing, you realize you come away probably benefiting, benefiting more than those who you serve, and I believe that's a blessing from God. I just wanted to say thank you for those. We're also going to be going out and doing some caroling following services and uh, delivering fruit baskets, so a time of year with a lot of activities going on and opportunities to serve. In Exodus 15:11, just after the parting of the Red Sea, the destruction of the Egyptian army, uh, it is written, recording in the Song of Moses, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. Exodus 15, verse 11. 
So here are the characteristics of God we want to talk about. There's 15 of them in uh, these next two slides that basically God has, has always been. He's a, a spiritual being. He's sovereign. We talked about what that meant. Uh, holy, the three omnis, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> we're going to talk about today that he's immutable. And I know that's not a word we hear very often. What does that mean? Is that good? Is that bad? What does it mean to be immutable? God is a God of all truth. He's wise, a God of goodness, full of grace, love, foreknowledge, a God who is a righteous God, but yet a God who delivers wrath at the appropriate times. So let's talk about this characteristic of being immutable. What does that mean? The first thing that came to my mind as I brought this lesson was a TV remote, and you'll notice on the left of the screen there's a blue circle. And those of you, I'm going to talk mainly to men, right? Men know how to operate those remotes, and they do it well, right? You know what that button means, where it's got a speaker with a line through it. That's a mute button, right? And uh, sometimes when we're talking to our wife or listening to our wife, that's very important, men, to listen to your wife. We hit the mute button on the TV, and what it does, it changes the sound. It kills the sound of the TV, and so just with the push of a button, it's muted. It's mutable. We can mute the TV. Now, some of you wives may be thinking, I wish my husband had a mute button. I might use that on him on occasions. Or vice versa, husbands may think, I wish my wife had a mute. We won't get into that, but the idea, the concept is that mute is to change the setting of the TV. It's changeable. So now let's talk about, we put an I-M in front of mutable. Immutable means I-M, not or cannot be done. It cannot be changed. What does that mean? God's nature is immutable. He cannot change. He will not change. His quality is unchanged. And that's a good thing. You see, God doesn't change because he doesn't need to change because he's perfect in every way, much unlike me or you. So we probably don't like to be around people who see themselves as perfect, but God, in fact, is perfect. And for that reason, God doesn't need to change. And that's what immutable means, an unchanging God. Malachi records in chapter 3, verse 6, speaking on behalf of the Lord, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. What does that really mean? You see, God had made a covenant relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was a God who was a covenant God. And because he honored that covenant relationship with the patriarchs, in particular Abraham, who he honored, there were times where God maybe was tempted to destroy rebellious people, people that were in that covenant relationship, but yet he did not. Why? Because he'd made a covenant. O children of Jacob. Later, his name was chained to Israel. For that reason, he said, in a covenant relationship, because I've made that covenant, I don't change. Therefore, you're not consumed in my anger. Numbers 23, verse 19, talks about immutability of God. God is not man that he should lie, or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, will he not fulfill it? The rhetorical question is asked in Numbers. Well, of course he will, because God does everything he says he will do. As I was preparing this lesson, I was thinking how appreciative I am, thankful that God is a God of love, that his basic nature is love. God is love, and that will always be. He will never be a God of hate. He will never be a vindictive God, a God that's deceitful in any way, because his basic nature has always been and will always be a God of love. We're going to talk about that as we bring our lesson to a close today where we talk about God's love that was set in motion, a plan that he carried out through the Son. Let's talk about the immutable characteristics or attributes of God 
an unchanging God. In our next slide, these are all something we're aware of, but it's good to be reminded that his love is unchanging. Sometimes on our journey of life, as God's children, it's hard to be faithful. We get discouraged. Sometimes we suffer persecution. And we always, at least I do, I think about one of these days, I'm going to be in heaven. And won't it be worth it? Won't it be great when I'm there enjoying God's presence for an eternity, the perfection of heaven? But in the meantime, I'm waiting here on earth, hopefully waiting patiently and being faithful and relying upon his unchanging promise. Amen? Amen, church? I just seen if y'all were awake. His unchanging promise of heaven. We should look forward to that. God is perfect and sinless in every way, as was the Son. God's justice is perfect. He's a God of mercy. One of the things that many people often try to change about God is his perfect and holy word. Have you noticed that tends to be a trend in our society? To modify the word of God? We somehow, in our, in our wisdom, in our education, and in our religious thinking believe that we have the right to go in and modify or rearrange some of the thoughts of God's word and maybe bend it or, or, or alter it a little bit to fit better into our lifestyle or modern-day customs. Let me tell you something, church. We have no right to change something which is perfect. Amen? God's perfect and holy word should never be changed by man. You see, it's the word that changes us. We are the one that is transformed. We are the one that are made into his image, and we set aside the flesh and become spiritual in nature. And that's the purpose of his holy word, is to change us. One of the things that I find comforting about God's unchanging nature is that he promises that we will become children of God when we obey the gospel, that he will send the Holy Spirit to live inside us. One of the things that I can always rely upon is the comfort of God's Holy Spirit, that he will bring me peace. He promised the Holy Spirit to his children and actually called the Holy Spirit his comforter. Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? So God is perfect. He is perfect in every way. You see, God doesn't make a decision and then later say, oops, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. His word stands. He knows the outcome of something before it's set in motion. He knows the end before the beginning. Isn't that amazing when we think about God? It's hard for us to understand or even comprehend that. Here's a quote I want to share with you, and I'll ask you to bear with me. Think about this and, and listen to the logic. This comes from a website that I use frequently called Got Questions, um, Religious Answers to Questions. But here's the quote about immutability of God. In our next slide, it says, The immutability of God is necessary for his perfection. All right, so here's what I want you to understand. Does God ever need to change? The answer is no. Why? Because he's perfect in every way. And so the immutability, that inability to change, is necessary because he's perfect. If anything changes, it must change for the better or the worse. And so the idea is that, uh, that if there's a change, that means that there has to be a difference made. For change to take place, either something that is needed is added, which is a change for the better, or something that is needed is lost, which is a change for the worse. You see, God doesn't, he doesn't look at something that he creates and goes, well, we'll kind of wind that up and let it go. We'll see how it works, and, and then we'll make adjustments along the way, and, and we'll learn as we go and modify and improve. No, that's not necessary. For, it'd be necessary for me. 
I make a lot of mistakes. I told Meg back when I was working on cars and doing paint and body work, I said, I did everything wrong at least once, you know, sometimes twice. And then I really learned how to do it the right way. It was trial and error. Not so with God. God knows how to do it perfectly. But yet he deals with imperfect creation because he gave us free will. He gave us choices. I don't know about you. I can speak only for myself, but often this creation makes wrong choices. Amen? We do. We make mistakes and we sin and we say, God, I knew better. I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. Continuing the quote, it says, but since God is perfect, he does not need anything. Therefore, he cannot change for the better. If God were to lose something, he would no longer be perfect. Therefore, he cannot change for the worse. That's what it means to serve a God who is immutable, unchanging nature and perfect in every way. Now, as I was preparing this lesson, what came to my mind, and maybe what's coming into your mind, was the account of the flood in Genesis 6, 6. Have you thought about that? God made mankind. He made all the animals and the plant life in the garden and Adam and Eve. And every time he made them, what did he say? Think about it. It is good. Right? Every time. It is good. You see, God didn't make mistakes. God didn't mess up when he made mankind. But yet in Genesis 6, 6, it makes you wonder because it says the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Wow, Brother Tom, that sure sounds like a mistake to me. Did God mess up? Did he make mankind and look down and go, oh man, I I shouldn't have made them like that. That's a mess. I think I'll just get rid of them and start over again. Is that what he did? That's inconsistent with the immutability of God. Let's talk about that for just a moment. You see, God didn't say that he'd made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have made man. What he's really saying, if you think about it, it has nothing to do with the nature of God that a lot of the population on earth were destroyed. It had everything to do about free will. It had everything to do about the thoughts and intentions of mankind. The Bible says that every thought was evil continually. Man had become so deprived and so uh, depraved and so corrupt, so sinful, they would not listen to the message of Noah. They would not repent. And sin was in a downward spiral where we see God saying, I have to eradicate those who will not repent or believe in me. And therefore, he destroyed Many, most of the living and breathing people on earth with a flood. It wasn't a mistake God made, but he had to start over again. And he started with righteous Noah and with his family. So let us understand that in the case in Genesis 6-6 of the destruction of mankind, it was God being grieved at the depravity of mankind And so it's a good lesson for us today to realize that when we are given free will, often it is our base nature, our tendency in the flesh to make choices contrary to God. Sin separates us from God. Therefore, we need God to step in, to intervene, to forgive, and give us the blessings of his grace. And this has been God's plan all along. When the Bible speaks of God changing his mind, it must be understood that the circumstance or situation has changed. God has not. God has not changed. Today, I'd like you to turn with me to James chapter 1. Open up your Bibles, and we'll spend just a moment looking at James chapter 1. I want to start 
actually with verse 13. In verse 12, James is writing to us and saying, if you're under trial and you remain steadfast, that's good, you're blessed. When you've stood the test of time, you receive the crown of life. That's what he's telling us. God has promised his crown of life to those who love him. Now, verse 13, let's talk about temptation. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Here's, the, here's an interesting contrast, if you think about it, between God and man. God never sins. God is never tempted to sin. God never causes anyone to sin. But yet, because he's given mankind free will, we often transgress his law. We are tempted, and we give into that temptation. And here, James identifies a process. Let's go back and visit that one more time. It says in verse 14, first of all, we're lured. That means there's something that catches our attention. We're attracted, and we like it. We're enticed by it. Then we have a desire. I see it. I want it. And then we desire it, and that desire is conceived. We keep saying, I want that. I need that. And so we move toward accomplishing possession. And that gives forth to sin. And then when sin is fully grown, we have our arms wrapped around that thing that causes us to sin, and we refuse to let go. The Bible says it brings forth death. You see, that's the process of being trapped in sin, in in desiring those things that are dangerous to us. Now, what James says in verse 16, he shifts gears, and he goes, hold on. Creation, those of you made by God who so often sin or enticed and and follow those desires that are harmful, he said, desire the gifts that come from God, not those things that the world offers you, not the things that the world tries to entice you that cause you to sin because God gives only good gifts. You see, he's immutable. He's a perfect God. Draw those perfect gifts from him. So let's shift gears now in verse 16. Watch. He says to his readers, Don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Now, Father of lights is sort of an interesting phrase. The idea is this is a celestial light made up in the heavens. It's a light that doesn't move, that doesn't change. It's always there. Some might say, well, isn't that sort of like the sun in the middle of our universe? The sun has no shadow cast upon it. Why is that? Think about it. Use logic. It is the source of light for our entire solar system. Right? All of our planets, as they go around the sun, a shadow is cast. On our earth, as the earth rotates, right? We see shadows that move back and forth. Has the sun moved? Has it changed? Even though it appears to move in our sky, it's not the sun that's moving. It's the earth. The sun hasn't moved at all. There is no shadow cast Upon the sun. It is the source of light. Now, that's one way of interpreting that. The other could be that God Himself, the creator of the sun, is even a greater force who is the ultimate light in the world. Light of the world, shine on me. But let's talk about that light that comes from the heavens. That light, this Father of lights, is coming down with whom. James says, there is no variation or shadow due to change. 
What I want you to do is anchor in your mind this idea. God, like the sun, remains steadfast and radiant. And he is unchanging. And we have to hold on to God and realize that he is a sure thing, that he is perfect in every way. Let's read again what he says in verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Let's go way, way back in time to the creation of the earth. Let's go way back in time before the first man and woman were ever created. There's good news. There had been a plan enacted before we were created where Jesus knew that he would come to earth. Why? Because we sin. We change our minds. We follow our desires and we follow our flesh. We transgress the laws of God and deserve the death penalty. But an unchanging God who has always loved us since the beginning and enacted a plan to save us through his Son, sent Jesus Christ. As we sing our invitation song, as Brian comes up and leads us, we invite you to Jesus Christ who can unequivocally take away your sin. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that will wash that sin away and cleanse you and make you whole because God promised that from the very, very beginning when he knew that his creation would fall because of sin. There may be someone here today who needs to hang on to an unchanging God. Maybe your life has gone through a lot of change. Maybe you're going through a difficult time, going through depression, frustration, anger. Maybe you're at odds with somebody in your own family, and you're not looking forward to Christmas dinner because you're not getting along really well. Been there before? Can you relate? God says, I can help. I can help. Let me give you the peace that passes understanding. Let me give you my joy. Let me tell you about my son who came to die for you. And we share that Jesus Christ with you today. We share his blood with you today and the good news that is offered to you through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The invitation is yours. If you need to respond, we invite you to come. And we'd be honored to take your request before the throne of God today. He was there yesterday. He is there today. He'll be there tomorrow and forever. Let's stand and sing. Come today, hear his loving voice calling still, calling now for thee. Calling now for thee.
each of you for being here this morning I'd like to remind everyone of our fruit baskets they're back in the teacher workroom uh, please pick those up if you've signed up to deliver those baskets I'd like to invite each of you to be back with us tonight at five o'clock any other final announcements not our closing song will be number 729 sing the first and last verses Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King, hallelujah. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King, hallelujah. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we're going to see the King. Let's bow. Lord, we come before your throne this morning as sinners who love you. Lord, we love you and we acknowledge that this life would be utterly meaningless without you, Lord. Lord, we are so thankful for that grace that you give unto us, Lord. We would be hopeless without it. Lord, we thank you for this church where we are able to get away from all the worldliness and everything political, Lord, and we can just come here and we can worship you and we can serve you to our full ability. Lord, we are so thankful for this lesson series that Tom is providing for us, Lord, and Lord, I pray that it draws us nearer and closer to you. Lord, we are so thankful for that son who died upon the old rugged cross, Lord, and carried the weight of our sins upon his shoulders, Lord. Lord, we pray through his perfect and holy name. Amen.